0: Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. We begin a new series this morning. I'm excited about it. It's, um, it, it's called Through the Valley, and we're going to look at the 23rd Psalm over the next several weeks. Actually, what we're going to do is we're going to start this series. We'll interrupt it in the middle for a couple of uh, talks uh, centered around Christmas, and then after the first of the year, we'll come back and we'll finish this series but um, I already can tell you, because I've had people walking out this morning, and I've lost track already this morning of how many people walked out and said, that's exactly what I needed. And here's what I can tell you this morning. Today's message is going to hit every single one of you, all right? This is one that nobody walks out here and goes, well, I didn't get nothing out of that. No, there's something for everybody, all right? Something for everybody. Um, so if you have your Bible, turn to the 23rd Psalm. This, this, we're going to go in-depth. I've got some really great material, and, and uh, we're going to learn together and, and be inspired and, and, and grow in our faith. And the 23rd Psalm is a really rich passage of Scripture. you probably read it a lot. don't know how much you've ever actually studied the 23rd Psalm, but there's going to be some really cool insight over the next several weeks. So here we go. I'm just going to go ahead and get started. Psalm 23, verse 1, I'm going to read all six verses. my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So as I said, this is a new series. We're calling it Through the Valley. I'm going to be all over the place today. I want you to stay kind of centered in in the 23rd Psalm, but there'll be some other things too. And this is one of those series where you're going to get some outline notes. I know some of you love taking notes and and um, I'll try to go slow in the parts where you've got to write stuff down, because I know how you hate it when you don't get that, that one line, right? gone it. He went too fast. I didn't get that one. So I'll try to slow down. But uh, you may want to write down some passages that I put on the screen. I don't know that you'll be able to get to them quick enough, but there's really some rich stuff we're going to look at. And the Bible's just got a lot to say about this, and we're going to be highlighting some of that stuff. I talked to a lot of you. Uh, both on Sunday and through the week, I get text messages. You email me. We have lunch. We, you know, there's. I mean, just. I talk to a lot of you, and here's what I know. I know that a lot of you have a lot of stuff going on. Um, you'll you'll ask me to pray for things, and you need to know that in my office, I could tell you if I needed to send one of you in to get that prayer list for me right now. I could tell you exactly where you'd find it. It's just to the right of where my computer would sit. It's on a piece of graph paper, and I've got all these. I've got names of people that matter to you, where you've said, "Hey, my uncle Dave is having surgery," or my, you know, my aunt Martha is going through this, or my mom, or or my son, or you know, and I I generally, I mean, there's there's lost people on there that I'm praying for. I'm praying for our elders and our staff and our church. I'm praying for my wife, and I'm praying for, uh, you know, kids, and and I'm praying for things that you got going on. Sometimes it's a marriage thing, sometimes it's a, I may not know which knee, but I know it's a knee, um, just stuff that I'm praying for, because you are constantly, we're talking about stuff that's stressing you out. Some of you have things going on at work, some of you have relationship stuff, divorce stuff, I mean there's all kinds of things that go on with us, and it just creates all this stress, and so we're going to take a look at the sources Of a lot of the stress that we have and just about all of them are covered and and referred to in the 23rd psalm it's amazing how this little psalm covers a lot of the stress that we face the really cool thing is that the antidotes to those stresses are also found in the 23rd psalm it's probably one of the best known verses in the bible i use it often when i do funeral messages i've got a funeral message that centers around the 23rd psalm i love preaching that Message because it's so soothing. It's so the truth in this is so soothing. Um, really, the twenty-third psalm is a picture of God, and so I think you know as we go through this, we're going to get a picture of what God looks like. You say, "Well, I don't know about that." Uh, reminds me of the little girl that was in Sunday school, and she's got her crayons, you know, or as my little kids, as my kids when they were little, you used to call them cray, uh, crowns. Did they call them crowns? Couldn't say crayon crown. She has her crowns, and she's working on this picture, and the Sunday school teacher says, Honey, what are you, what are you working on there? And she said, Well, I'm, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher you know, kind of took a step back, and she said, Well, honey, you know, you know that nobody's ever seen God. We don't really know what God looks like. And the little girl said, We will when I get done. <laughs> so so that's, that's my hope, is by the time we get done, we will kind of know what God looks like, okay? So that's my goal. And you'll know how much God really loves you. And you'll know how much you matter to Him, because you do. You really matter to Him. This morning, I want to look at the first cause of, of stress and, and for us, and that's worry. See, that's all of us in the room, right? I just, just nailed all of us with one word. We all know how to worry. We have all kinds of things that we worry about, don't we? finances, jobs, relationships, marriage kids just talked to a really good friend of mine on the way out the door she's worried about one of her grandkids we worry about school those of you that are students you know that's like a big thing you've got finals you've got what's going to happen you know I thought I did better on that test I I gotta I gotta get this grade, or I don't you know it's going to affect graduation I mean there's all that stuff going on health there are three problems with worry worry is unhelpful It's unreasonable. It's unhealthy. It's unhelpful because it never accomplishes anything. Worry never solved anything. It's like it's like you going out and starting your car, leaving it in park and just revving the engine, high as it'll go, just revving the engine. And all you're going to do if you do that is make a bunch of smoke and a bunch of noise, but you're not going anywhere, and it's eventually going to tear up your car because your car was not designed to have it started and just revved like that that's not good for it and we all know that and yet that's what we do when we worry about things that's what we're doing to our heart that's what we're doing to our mind that's what we're doing to our spirit we're revving it up lot of smoke lot of noise we don't get anywhere because worry never solved anything worry will not help you change the past cannot help you control the future all worry does is make you miserable today that's all it does it's unhelpful just doesn't work not only that it's unreasonable it exaggerates your problems it makes mountains out of molehills it makes things seem bigger than they appear what's the thing your side mirror says objects in the mirror are closer than they appear That's what what worry does. It makes things look bigger. It's just not good for us. To worry about something you can't change is useless. To worry about something you can't change is stupid. Can we just say that? If you can change it, change it, right? Don't worry about it. I was telling Deedee about what I was going to preach. It's always helpful leading up. Sometimes I'll just try to get some thoughts out just, you know, with no notes or anything, just to see if I've got it in my head real good, and we were talking about this yesterday as we were driving, and she said, but Brett, sometimes it's not really worrying that I'm doing, I'm just, I'm trying to sort out what I need to do, I'm trying to work it out, well, that's different, that's not worrying, okay, if, if that's what you're doing, that's, that's, a, I, I realize that sometimes you got to sit down and you got to, you got to kind of work through the problem and get a game plan, that's fine, that, I'm, we all do that, and that's a good thing. But you know as well as I do that there are some things that there's no working through. We're just worrying. Right? We're just, we're just it's, it's a big deal to us and we're just worrying and we shouldn't. Your body was not made to worry. It is unnatural for you to do that. Worry causes us to have headaches, backaches, insomnia. Our bodies were simply not made to worry. Plants don't worry. My dog doesn't worry. The only thing that worries in all of God's creation is people. But we were not made to worry. It makes us unhappy and it can make you unhealthy. The old English word for worry is to strangle or to choke. And that's exactly what worry does it chokes you, it just strangles the life out of you. But it's not natural. And you weren't born a worrier. You learned how to do it. Babies don't worry. You ever look at a baby getting, you know, rocked and fed and put down gently to go to sleep and get jealous? Like, man, I miss those days. Not a care in the world. Nothing to worry about. Everything's going to be okay. My dog doesn't worry about nothing. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. All I got to do is lay around, cover myself up with a a blanket, lay on this nice, comfortable bed. When I want to eat, there'll be something there for me to eat. When I want something to drink, there'll be something to drink. When I need to go out, somehow this guy miraculously knows that I need to go outside. I go outside, come back in. I'm not worried. That's what Peter would say. Now here's the good news. If worry can be learned, it can be unlearned. If worry can be learned it can be changed so this morning I want us to look at some secrets to help us stop worrying you might call them stress busters throughout this series and today I want to start with just this one stress buster and that is I believe that God will take care of me that is a stress buster I believe that God will take care of me and you see that in the very first verse of Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd I have everything I need I'm reading that from the new century version But you may be old school, right? You might like the old King James. So let me give it to you in the King James. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I believe God will take care of me, then I'm not going to worry. But how is making God my shepherd an antidote to the stress in my life? Well, in order to answer that, we kind of have to know what shepherds do. So let's talk a little bit about what shepherds do. The first thing shepherds do is they provide. He provides food. He provides shelter. He provides the basic necessities. He's a provider for the sheep. The sheep depend on him. And so he's a provider. Second thing he does is he protects, he's watching. He defends against enemies and, and against harm. He protects the sheep. He constantly has to be vigilant to make sure that these sheep are not in harm's way. That is the number one job of every shepherd is to make sure that the sheep are safe. And here's what you have to understand about sheep. They, are, they have no defense mechanisms. They're probably one of the most helpless, as we're going to talk about this as the series goes on, they, they, are, they are helpless. There's nothing vicious in a sheep. The funniest thing I've ever seen a sheep do is somebody tried to ride one on, I saw it on the internet and and tried to ride it, and the, you know, he kind of got off and turned around and walked the other way, and the sheep turned around and popped him right in the rear. I thought, you go sheep. But sheep need help. They need a lot of help, and they, they are very dependent on that shepherd. Protection. You know, if, if something's going to go wrong, it's up to the shepherd to stop it. Number three, he guides or leads the sheep. When they're confused and they don't know which way to go, the shepherd steps in and says, hey, you know, he, he guides them. You know, we read in there a minute ago in the funeral sermon that I do, I talk about the two things that the shepherd has in his hands, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So two things that the shepherd has. The, the, the staff is that, that, you know, the shepherd's crook. Have you ever seen that, the shepherd's crook? What they do with that is when the sheep are going over a crevice or they're going over a creek, a lot of times the shepherd would hook them underneath the belly and help them over the the crevice to to help them along they might also use that to, to guide the sheep you know the sheep are walking along and one of them kind of strays a little bit and the shepherd might just tap the ground out to the side and it comes back in or just maybe tap it on the shoulder and the you know the sheep kind of knows i need to stay over here and then he has that that rod and he uses that to fend things off you know to to fight things off and and make sure that the sheep are safe and then so he, he provides he protects he guides and leads he corrects and by that I don't necessarily mean discipline although discipline may be a part of it but what I'm talking about is he just fixes things that need to be fixed later on in the series I'm gonna tell you something really gross about sheep okay you're, just going to gro- you're probably not gonna to want to eat after I get done telling you this nasty thing that happens with sheep but I'm gonna tell you just not today but when that nasty thing happens it's it's up to the shepherd to get in and fix it he's got to fix it because the sheep can't so the shepherd provides protects guides and corrects now the amazing thing is that god has promised to do those four things for us in our life if we trust him that's what he'll do he says if you will let me be your shepherd i will provide for you i will protect you i will guide you and i will correct the things that need to be corrected the lord is my shepherd i have everything i need now isaiah 40 says this he takes care of his people like a shepherd in philippians 4 it gets even more specific than that he says and my god will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That little word all, if you look that up in Greek, you know what that means? It means all. It means all. God will meet all your needs. He didn't say he will meet all your greeds. Now we got to separate, don't we, the things that we want from the things that we need. And we understand that when it comes to our kids because our kids are masters at getting us convinced that what they want is really a need. But mom, I need it. No, you do not need a dirt bike. Okay, You, don't, we don't, you might want one, but you don't need it. See, God hasn't promised to meet all your wants. God has promised to meet... All your needs the things that come up that have to be taken care of see you know as well as I do that if God gave you everything you want that would not be good we would be spoiled rotten some of us have kids that we have given way too much and they're spoiled rotten right and you and when you look back I know for me when I look back over my parenting there are things that I would change and generally one of the things that I would change is I've been way too benevolent and way too giving to my kids and and you know I love them and it, as a dad, I want to give to him. It's just, I can't help it. I just like doing that. It's, it's kind of this driven thing. But when I look back, I probably have given too much. And I've probably spoiled them a little bit or a lot. But, but there have been things, haven't there been things that you wanted from God and he didn't give you, and then later you look at, you, you realize, man, it's really good, I didn't get that. Like, you prayed and prayed that God would give you this girl for a date. You know, please, God, let me take her on a date. She's beautiful. And God says, no, you're not taking her on a date. And then, you know, 10, 15 years later, you're at the football game, and she walks by, and you're like, "Woo! I dodged a bullet on that one. Thank you, God. Right? Like, hallelujah. God, I'm glad you didn't give me what I wanted right there. Exactly. God is not going to give you everything you want. He's just not going to do it. But he said, I will meet your needs. He didn't say, I might. He didn't say, I'll think about it. He didn't say, you know, it's a possibility. He says, I will, which means that God's character is on the line. Do you understand that? When God makes a promise to you, his character is on the line. Now we're going to find out whether or not God is is a God who keeps his word, and I can tell you God keeps his word when he makes a promise to you that's a big deal because now God's character is on the line and I'm just telling you God's gonna come through when it comes to that he says I'll meet all your needs now what is all does that include doctor payments Does that include mortgage payments is that you know is that spiritual needs financial needs health needs relational needs yes 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 What does all include? It means everything. Let me ask you a question. If God promised to meet all your needs, to protect you, to guide you when you need to be guided and led, to correct the problems that are wrong in your life, to provide for you, what does that leave you to worry about? How many of you have insurance? Let me see. That's it? I know you got insurance, right? I know you got insurance. So when you get insurance, here's what happens. You get insurance on the car, now, just let me preface this by saying I hope that none of your kids ever have a car accident, but we also know that that happens once in a while, right? Things go bump in the night, and we, you know, there's, let's just hope that it's just a little fender bender thing, but even if your kids have a little fender bender accident, and they're fine, you know, everything's fine, but you've got insurance, <clears throat> your first question when they call and say, Mom, I've had an accident, first question is, the th- question you ask is, are you okay? Right? Dads, that's the first question you ask. You don't ask about the car first. You ask, are you okay? And let's hope the answer to that is yes. And then you're really not worried about the car if you have insurance because you've got that covered. You haven't haven't worried about that. That problem's been dealt with. You've you've done something. You've been proactive on that. My good friend Michael, I love hearing him tell this story. He's got a friend named Nigel Wassel. Isn't that the greatest name ever? Nigel Wassel I've never met Nigel, but I want to. Nigel has been in the service um, he's a civilian now, but he still works with the the military and he he's, he travels the world and he goes um, i'm not, I don't think Michael really is allowed I'm not going to say what Nigel does. I know a little bit about it. it has to do with weapons, but he talks about playing in the sandbox, so he's over in you know other parts of the world and um, he he went through a really bad time in his life with his marriage and so he's not married anymore and he has these two kids and he loves them and takes great care of them but Nigel is kinda stacking some bills these days because he's a little older and he's in the sandbox a lot and he can't spend money over there so there's you know things he he does okay for himself and Nigel sold his Jeep Cherokee that was gold they called it Goldie he sold it to Michael's son um, Jacob and that's what Jacob drove when he was in high school But then one day, Nigel shows up with the keys to a brand new Jeep Rubicon, black. You should should hear Michael describe this vehicle. It's like his eyes roll back in his head, and he's like, Brad, it's beautiful. It's the most beautiful Jeep you've ever seen. And he shows up on Jacob's prom night with the keys, puts them in this 17-year-old kid's hand, and says, Hey, go have a great time tonight. And Jacob's like, Really? And Michael's like, Really? And he said... Nigel, he's 17 years old. We can't afford to fix that thing if, it, if he runs into something. And Nigel said, Michael, that's why I have insurance. See, he knows. He doesn't have to worry about it. If, if Jacob runs into something at prom, prom night, the, the Jeep is going to get fixed. Now, you'd worry about Jacob, but you wouldn't worry about the Jeep because the Jeep's got been taken care of. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible, okay? 7,000. That's the kind of coverage that God is putting on your life and mine. And when you understand that God loves you and is going to meet your needs, what is, really, what is there left to worry about? Now I want to add something. Not only is worry unhelpful, not only is it unreasonable, and not only is it unhealthy, it's unnecessary. Worry is unnecessary. If if Jesus Christ is your shepherd, worry, there's no reason for it. It's just unnecessary. In fact, anytime you worry, you are acting like an atheist. Do you realize that? You're acting like an atheist. You are in essence saying, God isn't going to keep his promises, he isn't going to take care of my needs. I know it says God will meet all of my needs and trust him, but I don't really believe that because what I really believe is if it's to be, it's up to me. That's how we act that's that's really the way we live life is we give lip service to the idea that we trust god but when it really comes to rubber meet the road do i really believe that no i'm gonna worry because if it's up to me if it's to be it's up to me you're acting like an atheist every time you worry It's just practical atheism so how do i make god my shepherd what what do i do there are three little things these are the antidotes to worry Understand that God is not the shepherd of everybody. He's not. He's only the shepherd of those who will let Him be the shepherd. See, we have something to say about that. So, how do I let God be the shepherd? Three things A, B, C. Get your pens ready. Here we go. Letter A, accept Jesus as my Lord. You're like, oh man, I saw that coming. What does that mean? Back to Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd. If you don't get anything else today, I want you to get this. The Lord can't be your shepherd if the shepherd isn't your Lord. He can't be the shepherd if he's not your Lord. You can't say, yes, I want you to be the shepherd in my life, but I don't want you to be the Lord of my life. No, the two things go together. They they can't be separated. You have to let God be God. What does Lord mean? It means to be in control. What is the Lord? We don't really use that language today. We don't have kings and vassals and, and knights and, and, you know, counts and things like that. That's a kind of a, a lost language for us, lost word. What is the Lord? It simply means whoever's in charge. Today we would say, who's the boss? Who's the CEO? Who's in charge? Who makes the decisions? Who, who's the one? Here's how you know who the boss is, right? In a room? When somebody tells an off-color joke or if somebody says something that would be completely against the culture of the organization or somebody gets, has some crazy wild idea, the boss is the one that everybody looks to to see how they responded to that. Right? Is he laughing? <laughs> Does he think it's funny? Because if he thinks it's funny, then I'm, I've got permission to laugh. But I'm not doing it unless the boss says so, right? That's, that's, that's the, kind of the same thing. Lord means in control. The person who's on top. So here's a question: Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is He calling the shots? Is He the Lord? Now here's the thing about that question: I can't answer that for you, and nobody else should try to answer that for you. At Cross Lane, we don't try to answer that question for each other. Can't do it. Can't do it. I can see a little evidence now and then, and make it, and maybe take a guess, draw a conclusion, but I don't really know. The only person who really knows whether Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life or not, is you. So in this moment, I need you to just do a little inventory and I need you to be honest with yourself and say, okay, is he really the Lord? I mean, I know I call him Lord, I know that. It's not what I say, it's not, it's, it's not that, it's, is he really? If God says no, is it really a no for me or do I figure out a way to get around the no? Do I listen when God says something, or do I try to figure out a way to make it happen anyway? Is Christ really the Lord of your life? Because the Lord is my shepherd. What does it mean to accept Jesus as Lord? I want to read, read to you from John chapter 10. I don't, you might just write this verse down and look it up later, but I want you to circle these words sometime. <clears throat> John chapter 10, verse 14, and then I'm going to read verse 27. Verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus talking. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. So you'd want to circle that word know. Then you skip down to verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I would want to circle that word. They listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. This is what it means to make Jesus Lord. You you know Jesus. You listen to Jesus. You follow Jesus. You know him. You listen to him, you follow him. That's what relationship, that's what it means to put him in control. You actually, when he leads you somewhere, you actually go, even when it doesn't look all that appetizing. Even when it looks like, oh, I don't want to talk to them. Oh, and everything in you is wanting to turn and go the other way, and Jesus is like, no, we're going over here to talk to them, right? Oh, Lord, I don't want to do, I know you don't want to, come on, we're going. You know him, you listen to him, you follow him. Now, here's the heart of the message this morning. Whatever you're worrying about, no matter what it is, worry is a control issue. The root of all your worry is that you are not in control. And that's what's bugging you. Because we all want to be in control. Worry is always an attempt to control the uncontrollable—that's the source of our worry. It's assuming responsibility that God never meant for you to assume. He's—it's—it's it's trying to take responsibility that you were never meant to have. And whenever you try to control the uncontrollable, whether it's your kids, whether it's the election, the economy, the environment. Listen, i have had a little chance to spend a little time with my parents here lately, and I was there for about a week a, a couple weeks back. And I mean, I get my news by Twitter, right? Like I—I'll. AP um, I get different news things that come across and I'll read the links and that's basically where I get my news I, I do not spend my days watching the news all day but my parents do when when it's not when it's not Price is right or jeopardy or Vanna or survivor or dancing with the stars or anything that has to do with reality television my dad is all about it right but if it's not that, he's watching the news. And, and you know, a couple of weeks ago, the election, we were leading up to the election, and, and, you know, everybody had opinions and things that they were wanting to say. Here's what I found going on in my own heart and my own spirit. I found myself very unsettled because I watched and listened to that with them for hours on end throughout the day. And I just found myself getting more and more worried and more worked up. What if, what if, you know, what if that happens? What, what if that happens? you know, there's a caravan coming to the United States and there's bad people in there and they've got guns, you know. Well, what if that happens? What if? And and then I came home where I don't do that and you know what, suddenly? I mean, I think people watch that so much that they think the skies fall like, oh my goodness. Hey, guess what? God's in control, okay? God's in control. And we watch so much of that stuff and it gets us so worked up. You cannot control elections. The only thing you can do, vote. And then leave and pray. That's all you can do. You, you have no control over who's going to get elected in California or New York. or who. I mean, you got one vote for President of the United States. That's all you got. So you go, you go cast your vote, and you leave, and then you start praying prayers like, God, you know better than me what needs to happen for our country. I'm just going to trust you with it. And if it doesn't go the way I want it to go, then I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm just going to walk with you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to follow you. Listen, worry is a warning light. You know, when you drive a car and your car, um, mechanics call them idiot lights. It's, it's for the rest of us that don't know anything about cars. When your car's got something going on and the light goes off to tell you, hey, this needs attention. Pay attention to this. Your car's saying, pay attention to me. When you sense that you're worried about something, that's an idiot light in your life. What that's telling you is, I'm trying to control something over which I have no control. What did we say earlier? It's ridiculous that you would worry about something you can't control. You can't control it. What are you going to do? And if you can control it, stop worrying and get it done. But when you're worried about stuff, it's because you're wanting control. Let me ask you another question. Who is in control of your life it, you've got an option it can either be you or it can be god god says you can be in control of your life i'll let you if you want to or you can you can let me control your life you know one, one of the license plates that i absolutely hate i don't see them much anymore because i think preachers have railed on it so much that people that have them are ashamed but god is my co-pilot Listen, if God is your co-pilot, I do not want to be in the car with you, okay? God is my co-pilot. You know what happens when God is our co-pilot? God says, well, I'll let you have the wheel if you're going to absolutely demand to have the wheel. Go ahead, take the wheel. And what happens is, if it's an airplane, we fly that sucker right into the ground. And then we blame God for the problem, right? Like, we make all the decisions, we were in control, and this, God, this is what I want to do. And then we get what we want, or we go where we thought we wanted to go, and then it all blows up, and then we somehow... We get mad at God. We're really good at that. God's like, I have no interest in being your co-pilot. I either want to drive or just let me out of the car. But we think we've got to have control. God says, I made you. I know what you need more than you. And I have the power to bring the right things to pass. It's your choice. You can be in control or I can do it. So here's what you need to understand. If you are going to control, be in control of your life, here's what's going on. You're playing God. That's what you're doing. And that is going to be the root of worry. Every time you start playing God, you are going to worry because it's a big job and he's the only one that can do it. You are not equipped to do his job. That is so far over your pay grade, it's not even funny. You don't want that. It's an issue of control. And if you're running your own life, And you're not giving God the direction of it, then you should be worried. It should scare you to death. Because most of the things in your life you you can't control. So you should worry if you're the one that's responsible for all of it. You should be worried about it. But if God's running your life and He is the Lord and Shepherd, He can control anything, and you know what? He doesn't sweat stuff here's the thing about God the stuff that's going on in your world right now That's got you all worked up, and there's always something there's always something right like I know I'm talking to everybody in the room right now We've all got something that we're prone to worry about what, Whatever that is that's that's on your mind that, that you're you're worrying about It's not a surprise to God It's not like when you pray about it, God. You know this thing happened, and this is these are the details of it. God is not going, oh, I I, I didn't didn't know that. He's not surprised by it. He's got a plan for it. It may be a big shock to you. You may be confused. You may not know exactly what's going on. But God is not vexed by whatever's happening in your world. He doesn't look at it and go, man, I, I don't know how to fix that. He's not shocked accept jesus as lord of my life be begin praying about everything brett what should i pray about pray about all the stuff that you would normally worry about but brett i don't know what to say yeah you do listen you don't have to be fancy you don't have to impress anybody when you pray stop trying to impress people when you pray just pray. I mean, you, you walk out these doors often and tell me what's going on in your world. Talk to God the way you would talk to me because you walk up to me and you say, Brett, I'm really worried about my brother. This is going on and, and uh, you know, I'm, I just, uh, would you please pray for it? Would you please help me pray about it? And I say, yeah. Well, you, you're able to articulate that kind of stuff to me. Just take a few seconds and say, God, this, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to worry about this. I don't want to worry about this. You're God. I'm not. I'm just going to give this to you. Just talk to God. He wants a friendship with you. Talk to him the way you would talk to a friend. Now, I can hear it right now. Brett, I don't have time to pray about everything. Well, of course not, because you're worried all the time. If you would spend all the time that that you're spent worrying, praying, you would not worry near as much. But we spend so much time worrying, we don't ever stop and say, God, I'm just going to lay this out for you. See, if we prayed about it, why would we worry about it? We'd have a lot less stuff to worry about. Here's the real kicker. It doesn't change anything. Prayer does. Prayer changes things. When you're tempted to worry, you have two options. You can either panic or you can pray. I want to read to you Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 6. Don't worry about anything, instead, pray about everything. This comes out of the Living Bible. Tell God your needs don't forget to thank him for his answers if you do this you will experience god's peace which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand you know one of the things that i would call to mention there is is pray about everything that doesn't just mean pray about religious things we're good at that we're, we're really good at praying about religious things most of our praying we think that we've got to pray and say the things that god wants to hear that's really what we think if i could just say the things that god wants to hear then maybe that'll be the key that unlocks the vault and i can have all the stuff that i want i think there are some people that that's what how they view praying that's horrible you know we pray we pray about the things we think god wants to hear god please bless all the missionaries and thank you for this day and god bless america now i think we should pray for missionaries i think we should ask god to bless america and what was the other one i prayed for Thank you for this day. Yeah, we should always be thankful for the day, right? Thank you for this food. That's great. But, but we never pray for things like, "Ma'am, God, my kids are driving me crazy. I'm going to strangle the middle one if they doesn't straighten up. God, I, I feel homicidal. Please don't let me do that. Or, God, this arthritis is killing me today. I mean, it it's hurts so bad. God, I don't know what the purpose is for arthritis. If there is a purpose in it, help me to know what it is. But I want you to know this hurts. You say, well, can I pray about that kind of stuff? Of course you can. Look, if it's important enough to you to worry about, it's important enough to you to pray about. You're not bothering God. You know what bothers God? Here's what bothers God. Worrying about something over which you have no control. You want to know what bothers God? You trying to impersonate Him and doing a lousy job. That bothers God. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. That word cast in Greek, it literally means to drop or to dump. It means to just, you know, to, to, to unload. And in sermons before, I've gotten up here and I've picked up this great big rock and I've carried it around and talked while I was carrying this rock just to make the point point. and you could tell the longer I carried the rock I was getting out of breath and it was harder for me to preach and I knew what was going through your mind you're like Brett put the rock down just put the rock down and so when we do counseling a lot of times that's what I'm telling you you're carrying a rock around it's driving you nuts you can't get anything done with that rock in your hands put it down that's what it means to cast your cares on him when I was a, a 17 you know I told you how little I was I used to work at a department store. It was kind of like a Target. And I hated it when we would put weights on sale. Because these women would come in and buy these weight sets for their husbands for their birthdays. And then it was my job to get that weight set into their car. And here I am. I'm not very big. You know, it's a 110-pound weight set. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just dragging this thing. And I would finally get it, roll, kind of roll it into their back seat, you know. And poor lady, she probably was like this kid's going to die on me right here and i was just it felt so good to finally be able to get that weight off that's what it means to cast your cares on god it's not it's it's cast all your cares just whatever the whatever it is that you're stressed about you say Brett can i talk about that sure you can it's a constant theme in the bible he's constantly saying just come dump that on me here's the problem Most of us, when we read that passage, cast your cares on on Christ, what we think, we think rod and reel, cast. A guy I highly respect walked out this morning, and he said, Peter fished with a net, not with a Zebco. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. No Zebcos, okay? Because here's what happens when we cast things. That sounds great. I'm going to cast it, right? Here's the problem. We reel it in. So we cast it. That's, that's, we, we read that and think, okay, yeah, I'll cast it. And we're really good at casting. We're also really good at reeling it back in. Now here's my experience as a fisherman. Okay, this, is all you, this is why you don't want to go fishing with me. My experience as a fisherman is, I don't catch fish. I cast it out. It sits out there a while, and then I reel it in. I got moss. I got sticks. I got shoes. I got, so you know, you're worried about it, and you're casting. We cast it out. Then we reel it in. Now we got more than we bargained for. Now we got more than we started with. And we're all jacked up, messed up in our heads. You can't do that. This is about dropping. This is about unloading. God, I'm not carrying that anymore. That's yours, that's not mine. I'm not going to worry about that anymore. The National Bureau of Standards, get this. So, you know, when you once in a while we have fog days. It's really foggy. I hate those days because you can't see anything in front of you. It's dangerous to drive. The, the National Bureau of Standards had something to say about fog. See, fog blocks out the sun. It makes it seem like the sun's not shining. It, the fog makes things seem worse than they are. And so the National Bureau of Standards has, has basically said this about dense fog. If you had dense fog in an area seven square blocks and 100 feet high, Okay, so we're going to take all the fog in seven square blocks, 100 feet high, and we're going to condense that down and turn it into water and fill a glass. Do you know how much it would hold? It would be less than a glass full. Seven blocks, 100 feet, less than a glass of water. That's what fog does. That's what worry does. It exaggerates your problem. And and then when you shrink it down, you go, well, that's not nearly as bad as I thought it was, but because we worried about it, It was a really big deal. You see it and you think, man, this is bad. This is gigantic. I'm never going to get through this. And then when it all condenses down, it doesn't even fill up a glass of water. There's a third thing to to help you with your worry. Accept Jesus as my Lord. Begin praying about everything. Letter C, consider one day at a time. Matthew 6 says this. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of tomorrow. Live one day at a time. Don't open your umbrella until it rains. When you worry, you look like somebody walking around with an umbrella up in the middle of the sunshine. People look at you and go, what are you doing? Well, I'm worried. What are you worried about? This. Well, can you do anything about it? No. Well, then why are you worrying about it? I'm going to open my umbrella before it rains. Don't want to do that. The future can seem overwhelming. You, You start stacking too many days out in advance, the future can overwhelm you. Take it day by day. God says, you know, just take it in 24-hour increments. That's what I'm giving you. In fact, you might even, it says give us, it doesn't say give us our weekly bread. It says give us our daily bread. Sometimes you may even even break it down into moment by moment or hour by hour that I'm praying for something. But don't work yourself so far out that that you blow this thing up and it gets huge. That's going to work against you. Skip, skip, skip. All right, let's land the plane. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 and 33. Listen to this. Your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well that you need them. He's talking about things and things that you need. And he will give them to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. So I want you to go home and I want you to read the 23rd Psalm. And what you're going to find is that 17 times in six verses you read the word I, my, or me. This is an intensely personal psalm. The psalm is about a relationship with God, and it is the antidote for your stress. Listen, religion will not reduce your stress. It will add to it. Religion will not help you stop worrying. A relationship with Jesus will do that for you. Religion will never do that for you. What you need, you need a relationship with the shepherd who provides, protects, guides, and leads, and corrects. And God says, I did not make you for religion, I made you for a relationship. And He wants you to know that you were made for a relationship with Him. This is where I'm just going to close by saying this. Some of you just worry, worry, worry all the time, and you're Christians, and we we shouldn't do that, okay? We know that. But now I'm telling you, when you worry, you're actually trying to play God, is what you're doing. Trying to control things you can't control. For those of you who are not believers in Jesus or you have never made a decision to follow, it just amazes me how resistant people are to Jesus. He's the one person who can help us, and for whatever reason, we think we don't want anything to do with Him. I'm telling you, give Him a chance. To come into your life and into your heart and you watch and see if he does not dramatically improve if you make him lord dramatically improve areas like this in your life last night i was so mad at my dog last night at 2 30 in the morning He just, he would not lay down. He was up and down all in the night. So I was up at 2.30, I was up at 3.30. By 4.30, I'm awake, and I'm not going back to sleep. So I got no sleep last night, right? I mean, I'm ready to brain this dog. I'm, I'm just, so now I'm awake. And I'm like you, I got stuff I'm thinking about. I got stuff that's, that, that needles me. I got stuff that tempts me to worry, and hey, what about this, what about this? And at 4.30 in the morning, I'm staring at my ceiling, Running through some of that stuff, and I know I've got to get up here this morning and talk about this Right, so you think I just get up here and say these words that you know well, brett has got all this stuff figured out No, I don't the, I ha, most of the stuff. I'm preaching about hits me before it ever hits you This hits me okay in ways. I can't even this morning. This hits me in ways. I couldn't even quantify for you And so at 430 in the morning, I'm staring at the ceiling prone to worry but I know i got to get up here and tell you this stuff. And I'm like, if you're going to be a good preacher, you got to walk what you talk. So are you going to pray about this, or are you going to lay here and worry about it? So I did. I started saying, God, this is I'm trusting you. I do not want to live my life like a practical atheist, and I want to be a good pastor who stands up in front of the people and tells them, I struggle with this too, but at 4.30 in the morning, I was praying. And that's what I did. God, I have no control over this stuff. No control. And God, I'm scared. <clears throat> but I trust you. And if you're really going to be the shepherd and the Lord of my life, I've got to let you be that. So, God, be my guest. I'm done. I'm not worrying about this. That's where we got to get to. Okay? Stop trying to control the uncontrollable in your life. Stop trying to worry. Pray. Is Christ the Lord of your life or is he not? Let's pray together. Father, this hits every one of us in the room. We can can try to act cool and act like we got it all together, but at the end of the day when the lights go out and we're there just with our thoughts, there's stuff that comes up. Some of us handle it better than others. Some of us are really good at giving it to you, and some of us stink at giving it to you. We give it and we take it back. We give it and we take it back. Some of us won't even give it. We just hold it. Hang on to it. God, help us to see this morning what it really means to make you the Lord. To give you control, to, know, to trust you that when you say, I love you, you are my child, I cherish you, there's nothing more important to me than you. Help us to believe that. And if we can believe that to realize that all this stuff that's got us worked up, we do not have to worry about it. You are going to provide and protect and guide and correct for us. You will take care of all of it and we trust you to do that. It's in Jesus name we pray.